Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. There's a day at the beach for the 49. Oh, how's that for a transition as we bring in our <laughs> man, Akash Anabarathan, the writer of the SB Niners Nation. Akash, thanks for joining us again. How are you, man? Fantastic. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. So let's talk about the win over the, the Green Bay Packers in preseason game number one. Was there a player? Was there a players? Or was there a part of the game that stood out to you more than others? <laughs> I think the group of rookies uh, were really stood out uh, on Friday. I mean, we could start with Drake Jackson, right? The rookie second round pick. I thought his athleticism was on display. There was a there was a play where he chased Jordan Love and and deflected the pass and kind of had to redirect uh, where he was running. And it was it, he like was running full speed one direction, stopped and then cut back towards Jordan Love. And you could kind of see the athleticism on display, and you. You know, obviously with Chris Caceres, you could you could start to see uh, what he can potentially develop and do. And then some of the other rookies, right? Danny Gray, obviously the touchdown pass. Um, just you could see the threat of having a having that speed on this offense. And then Sam Womack, I mean, a guy that I was high on after the 49ers drafted him in the fifth round. I thought at the time that he would slot in at nickel cornerback. Just given, you know, his uh, physique, he was a very similar body type to Kwan Williams. Um, and I thought he balled out last night, had a couple of interceptions. I thought he played well against the run, which is, uh, you know, something that the 49ers uh, expect out of their nickel corners is to fit those run gaps. And I thought he did that particularly well as well. So I think those three guys really stood out. Um, and Spencer Burford as well, who's really stepped up at the right guard spot. I know PFF charted him for, I think, like five loud pressures, but... Uh, I thought that was a good debut for him as well. Hey, speaking of Spencer Burford, he was a fourth round pick, and he is you're going pace to be your starting guard. Um, yeah, you also have Banks there on the left side, and I guess Brunskill is going to be your center. What do you think? You how did that offensive line look to you last night? I thought they obviously without. Trent Williams, uh, you know, manning down the left side, and Mike McGlinchey kind of rounding out into form post-injury, it, it's hard to, you know, project what this offensive line would look like. Because I think offensive line especially really depends on cohesion and chemistry and those five guys working in unison, which we didn't get to see last night. I thought the tackles really struggled, especially the backup tackles, Colton McKivitz, Justin Skewell, uh, especially on that right side. So, we didn't get a full taste, but I thought interior-wise, I thought Aaron Banks played well. I think on 11 or 12 pass-blocking snaps, he had uh, no pressures allowed. Uh, Jake Brendel, I think, you know, uh, has the inside track to start at center. I know Dan Brunskill is now sidelined uh, for a couple weeks with a hamstring injury, so um, I think he's more in line to kind of be the sixth offensive lineman and fill in anywhere if need be. And then obviously you got Burford at right guard and I think the more those five guys kind of start to play together, I think it'll it'll be a unit that improves. But 
you start to you you also saw last night what Trey Lance is able to do and you know make plays outside the pocket. Um, there was the one play where he stepped up when he felt pressure and, and he ran, I think, and, and he slid there on that play. So you also get you know the benefits of having an athletic quarterback that can also evade pressure when you know the pocket does uh, break down. Akash Anavarathan is our guest here this afternoon. And Akash, I know we got a couple of weeks until cutdown day, but for the sake of this conversation, let's just say it's tomorrow. Which of the running backs is the odd man out? That's tough because I really love the competition in the running back room. I think they've got a, a really good group. Um, right now, I'd, I'd imagine it's Jermichael Hasty. Uh, I could also see you know Jordan Mason uh, being on the outside. And I know Jermichael Hasty kind of had that special team blunder, right, where he was kind of iffy on if he should uh, field the kickoff and then kind of caught it and stepped out of bounds. And I'm sure he got an earful from special teams coordinator Brian Schneider, but I, I would think he's probably the outside man out. Obviously, you've got Elijah Mitchell. I, I think he's battling an injury as well, so he's probably going to miss the rest of preseason. But and then you got Jeff Wilson Jr., who I think has an inside track to a spot on this roster. I think Trey Sermon obviously got a ton of carries yesterday. I think the 49ers just feel better about where he's at this offseason compared to last offseason. So I, I feel like those three guys are, are locks. And then you kind of got the the next group, and unfortunately, someone's going to be the odd man out. If I had to predict. I would imagine it's Jermichael Hasty. I think the 49ers really like what you know Jordan Davis bring or Jordan Mason, excuse me, uh, brings in the run game uh, as an undrafted free agent. And then you got you know Ty Davis Price, the rookie, uh, who you know they're high on his physicality and the type of um, you know running style that he brings to the team as well. Good. Speaking of of Trey Sermon, I, I, could you get a little bit more in depth because he started the game in place of Elijah Mitchell, who was out with the hamstring. And of everyone out there, he kind of looked like the creditiest guy. What would you attribute his performance to last night? And and is he a viable guy, really, should Elijah Mitchell be gone for an extended period of time? I think with Trey Sermon, we've, we've had this conversation before. I think his struggles come back to his decisiveness, right? In this scheme, uh, the Kyle Shanahan expects his running backs to be one cut and go, north and south, be decisive. Right, stick your foot in the ground and you know use that speed that you have to get up and down the field. And Trey Sermon, at least last season, was just a little bit tentative, a little bit indecisive. And you know, in the NFL, just for the speed of the game, if you just if you're like a half second slow, the hole closes up, and what could have been a seven eight yard gain is now a one two yard gain. I thought, you know, at least in training camp, and now you know what we saw yesterday, I thought he was just a little bit more decisive just look more comfortable as a runner. Um, you know, you figure running back coming to the NFL out of college is just a natural transition, but maybe it's just tr- taking Trey Sermon a little bit longer. I also think he brings a pass-catching ability uh, to this offense that some of the other backs don't. So I think that in combination of, you know, running a similar, uh, you know, r- you know, a similar type of uh, run scheme that he had at Ohio State with Justin Fields, with Trey Lance here in San Francisco is only going to make him more comfortable. So I think he's just he's just more in his comfort zone this season, and, and you saw some of that last night. Akash Anavarathan, our guest. Akash, it's early, and you need to see, obviously, a lot more from Danny Gray and company, and maybe I'm doing this on paper, but potentially. Is this the best wide-receiving core in the NFL? Ooh, that's tough. There are some good wide-receiving core uh, cores out there. I think... Tampa Bay really comes out uh, 
sticks out to me, right? Mike Evans. Uh, I know Chris Godwin's coming off the ACL. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I know they've got some guys. They obviously added Julio Jones, Russell, Russell Gage in the offseason. So I really like that group. Who else? Miami with Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Miami and of course with, with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, yeah. I think the 49ers are up there. I mean, they've got Debo Samuel, who, again, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people as a traditional wide receiver have him ranked in different spots, but at the end of the day, he's just a dominant player on the field. I think Brandon Ayuk is really going to, you know, uh, step up his game. And I think he might be, he might, he might look back at the end of the season and he might be leading the team and receiving yards, honestly. And so I think they have one of the better, you know, wide receiving groups, but I can't ignore, obviously, like you mentioned, Miami, Tampa Bay. I think Cincinnati probably has the best, right? They've got Jamar Chase, um, T Higgins. And um, so I think they've probably got the best. Uh, receiving group in the NFL. But the Niners are there. After the immensely huge sample size of five pass attempts last night, what do you make of the Niners starting quarterback so far? And, and can he be good enough to allow this defense in this run game to take over and allow this team to get to the championship, NFC Championship Super Bowl level that people expect him to be at? Absolutely. I think it Trey Lance's best play last night actually wasn't even a passing attempt. It was a play where, you know, there's pressure, you know, collapsing the pocket. He keeps his eyes down the field, steps up in the pocket, which is what you want out of your quarterback. And he continues to, you know, look down the field for a receiver, no one there. Boom, you tuck it and run. You get, whatever, six, seven yards on that play. And then you slide, which is something he struggled to do last season. We saw that in the Arizona game where he just seemed kind of indecisive as a runner. He wasn't sure to, like, if he should go out of bounds, if he should slide, if he should try to go head on against the defender. And, you know, now he's, he's obviously the franchise quarterback and protecting himself is, is a priority. And so it was good to see him slide. So I thought, honestly, that was his best play. But just as a thrower, as a passer, he just seemed more decisive. He knew where to go with the ball. As soon as he hit his back foot, back foot boom, the ball was out. Right? I thought the, the ball to Danny Gray, obviously, is going to get all the attention. But even the throw on the outside to Danny Gray, which was incomplete, I think, on third down, was also a really good throw. I mean, when he releases that ball, Danny Gray's not even out of his break, so he's throwing to a spot on the field. And I thought he placed the ball pretty well. And maybe if it was a dis- different receiver, maybe it was Brandon Ayuk or Debo, maybe that's a catch. But I thought he put the ball in a good spot where only his receiver can go out and get it. And, you know, attacking the sidelines and outside the numbers isn't something we've seen out of this offense with Jimmy Garoppolo at, at center, under center, the previous year. So, you know, it was it was a welcome sight. So, I you know, I think... There were some positive things to take away from last night from Trey Lance's performance. That being said, you know, it's just like Tashianahan said, right? He preached patience with Trey Lance. There's going to be ups and downs. I think there's going to be a lot more highs and a lot more lows than we've seen in previous years just because he's a young quarterback. He's going to learn through reps. Um, But I think that this roster, this defense is extremely talented. So I think they can kind of just manage around him uh, to keep this team kind of going. So I, I have high expectations. They have an extremely talented roster. The depth that you can see is fantastic. This might be the deepest roster they've had since Kyle Shanahan, you know, took over the team in 2017. Honestly, I think roster cut down is going to be difficult just because they have, you know, so many talented players on this team. So high expectations, and uh, <laughs> it's all on the 22-year-old shoulders. Akash Anavarathan is our guest. Akash, the Jimmy Garoppolo scenario continues, and if nothing else, 
I think last night proved holding on to him continues to be the smart move. Now, it doesn't appear as though he's going to the New York Jets because the injury is not all that severe to Zach Wilson out two to four weeks with a meniscus tear. But who knows who's next, potentially, when you get into preseason football. And, and maybe I'm reaching here, but and I, I'm digressed to a certain degree. But Tampa Bay, now I know that sounds odd for a landing spot for, for Jimmy Garoppolo, but am I the only one that, that finds this a little weird that our, uh, the, Tom Brady is taking extended time off this time of the year? Now, it, there's reports that it could be you know, of the personal nature and something's going on with his family and his mom, but could we potentially be reading something more into this that, that he's revisiting retirement thoughts again? I actually thought with the Tom Brady stuff that it was huge. I know the, I think the Bucks play the Dolphins this week and they've got joint practices. And obviously there was the stuff between Tom Brady and Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross and, you know, potential tampering allegations. And I thought Tom Brady just kind of wanted to avoid all that this week. And, <laughs> he just took some PTO. It sounds like, which is odd. I feel like you never see, right? You know, players and especially him just kind of take ten days off. And we know how Tom Brady's wired. And I feel like this is the time of year where he's really locked in and trying to get better with his team. So it's it's weird to see him just take some time off. But uh, yeah, you never know what's what's going on behind the scenes with his personal life. But I, I don't think I don't know if he's re- revisiting retirement. I, I just I just feel like he's. He's uh, doing the work-life balance, and I think the Bucks understand that you know it's a it's a long season, and uh, you know for the Bucks it's championship or bust with Brady. So I think they're just catering to his needs. Hey, Kai, so you are Jimmy Garoppolo, and the Niners release you tomorrow. What team do you want to go to for your future and your career? You know, I mean, and obviously you're not going to go over and take over Josh Allen in Buffalo. But, you know, of the available options, which team are you picking to go to if you're Jimmy Garoppolo? If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, the team I'm eyeing is Cleveland. And I know Deshaun Watson's suspension is kind of hanging in the air. You know, there's, you know, rumors that it could be a season or maybe they reach a settlement and it's 10 or 12 games. Somewhere in that ballpark. But I think that's the most talented roster where Jimmy Garoppolo can just go in and be the starter, assuming you know Watson is suspended, and just run the offense. I think, obviously, with Kevin Stefanski there, they run a very similar scheme, right, the Kubiak-Shanahan offense. Um, they've got talented backs and Nick Chubb and um, Kareem Hunt. I know he's holding out or holding in, but hopefully that'll get worked out. And then I think they've got a talented group of receivers as well, right? Amari Cooper, they've got some young guys there that they really like and a really good offensive line. And they've just got a talented team overall. So I think if Jimmy Garoppolo is looking at this and he's trying to rebuild his career and earn another contract, I think you're looking for the best situation possible where you can win games and you have you know a team that uh, is talented as well. And so I would be eyeing Cleveland. Um, I know a lot of the people are looking into Seattle. Seattle is talented, especially at wideout with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. But I don't know if I would trust the the second-year offensive coordinator here and the offensive line and, and just the overall team, and it's a tough division as well. So if I was Jimmy Garoppolo, I would try to get myself to Cleveland if possible. Akash, is there a chance that we could see two rookies opening day for the 49ers on defense, one of which Samuel Womack at the nickel and Drake Jackson opposite Nick Bosa? I think it's certainly a possibility. I know Drake Jackson, he's dealing with the shoulder stinger, so not sure how much time he's going to miss. Hopefully it's not too long, but... I, I think there's a real real possibility to see those two guys on the field. Um, 
starting. I, I think there's a better chance of Sam Womack starting at nickel corner just because of the the competition at the position. It's really between him and Darquez Denard, um, who, you know, speaking to the 49ers culture, has actually been mentoring Sam Womack, um, which is kind of cool. And I know he filled in, Denard filled in last year, week 18, at the nickel spot and uh, played well. But I think it's it's now turning into Womack's spot to lose, whereas for Drake Jackson, you just have a ton of competition at that position. I mean, Samson Mebukam was a starter there, opposite of Nick Bosa last season. He's back and looking really good as well. And I know they've, I know Chris Kacarek's got a bunch of pass-rushing specialists there that can also play alongside Bosa. So I think Womack probably has the, the inside track to start. And uh, I think Jackson, as the season goes, will make more of an impact. Hey, Kasha, you have running backs, offensive line, receivers, secondary, linebackers, defensive line. What is going to be the strongest unit collectively on this 49er squad in 2022? It's tough, but I think it's the same unit that's been their most dominant uh, over the past few years. It's, it's their defensive line. I mean, they roll out, honestly, 10 deep, 11 deep along that defensive line. And it starts, obviously, with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. Javon Kinlaw, who played, I think, 15 snaps, looked good yesterday. If he's able to stay healthy and, and play on the inside, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go a long ways. And then, obviously, uh, from a pass rushing standpoint, uh, opposite of Bosa, they've just got a ton of guys there. I mean, like just like I mentioned, they got Ebukam, Kamoko Ture. Um, they, I know they signed Robert uh, Kandice, the former first-rounder, who's just an athletic freak. And so I think he's going he's gonna to fill in nicely. They've just and you know Chris Kucerich, one of the best defensive line coaches in the league, and so I think it's that defensive line that's probably going to be the best unit. And I would say right behind them is probably the linebacker group. I mean, those guys, Fred Warner, uh, Drake Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire, and even Demetrius Flanagan, Foles, Oren Burks made a bunch of tackles last night. I think they're deep as well there, and you know Johnny Holland's back coaching this year, and I think those two position groups are probably going to be the strongest of the team. Akash. Strong stuff as always, man. Thanks so much. Let's catch up soon. Appreciate it, fellas. Have a good one. Akash Anavarathan covers the Niners for Niners, SB Niners Nation. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 